You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from this past week, as well as preview the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms like iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbay, Speaker, and Google Play. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, and it is my honor and pleasure to bring in the rest of the team. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how's it going today? Oh, it's going fantastic. How's it going for you, Miranda? It is going well. We were bantering prior to recording on the heat. It is record-breaking heat all over the place, yep. uh, but especially out here on the West Coast. Humidity is what Dusty has, and and that's a game I'm not playing. So I'll take my blow dryer slash oven to the face <laughs> um, over, over his level of humidity. Uh, but, you know... We can't do the rest of this show without the third member of this trio, and that's who? 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 It's the one and only Brendan Barr. That's who. What? What is this? Out of humidity? The ocean when it gets hot? Where? What do you think happens to that all that <laughs> water when it gets hot? I don't even know the science of humidity. The last thing I ever remember, I remember probably learning this from the magic school bus. Like, not even real yeah. education. It was the magic school bus that taught me about the, you know, the water cycle. And yeah. I, even though humidity wasn't yeah. part of it, I feel like it's a part of it. And in fairness, it is probably a lot more unbearably humid where Dusty's at. But yes. uh, I'm certainly not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and for us, you know, yeah, for us up here where we're not used to the to these uh, to high temperatures most of the year anyway, it's it's always, you know, it hits 75 and some people are like, it's too hot. I'm going inside. So, you know, that's. <laughs> That's where we're at. Well, we have a pretty stacked show for you this week. I know I always say that, but it's always true. So that's why I just warn you, it's, it's a stack show. We are going through all the promotions this week with news, uh, from shows this past weekend. Of course, AW looks like they're coming back to somewhat of a regular schedule. And of course, uh, you know, 
our usuals this week in Lucha Libre history, and of course, the way that we always start our shows, and that is the road back to shows with Brendan. Um, kind of. Most of the big news is going to be happening later in those, so I have a couple, just a couple quick notes for the road back to shows. Um, we're going to start with what I hope becomes a, a recurring trend here. Mexico City is still green. I hope I get to say that as long as I said Mexico City is still yellow. I mean, at the at the least. Uh, this means that those uh, should be by the end of the month allowed of the arena that they're in. Uh, some really nerdy people are speculating on how many people that will mean for Arena Mexico, but honestly, it means way more than the 1,500 we're allowed right now. Um, I imagine that uh, Dusty will have more speculation on what that'll mean for upcoming AAA events as well, but uh, that's the good news there. City is green, and we're on the shows, which is fantastic. Uh, and then for the less good news, those of you who've been paying attention will know we've been talking a lot about Federation Wrestling over the past several weeks. They've been doing big announcements. They've been working so hard to keep us interested. And this week, they, a bunch of uh, the bad news started to hit that we were really hoping wasn't going to happen around uh you know we always talk about exciting new independent promotions have bad track records and here we go uh first the first thing i saw and i don't know what order everybody else what order you uh pep put up on luchacentral.com a story about Pretty much all of the Ingo Bernabales people individually posting on social media that uh, they were not going to be able to make the Federation show. They all basically said uh, logistical difficulties or something to that effect. And then later we saw that Federation Wrestling uh, and their social media that they are going to have to postpone the show. I believe was that the phrasing they used, or did they say cancel and re- and reschedule? No, uh, they said they were going to postpone, um, and that they were going to oh, announce a, post, a date. Postpone. Yeah, yeah, t- they were going to announce a date in the in the future. Though the the announcement did not include a future date. Right, that's the part that I was my big takeaway, but I. Didn't want to say the wrong phrasing. If they had said, if they said postpone, that's a little different than we're canceling and we'll reschedule, which a lot have happened during COVID. Like, we're canceling for now. But, uh, yeah, this is, they're going to try and delay the date. They also use the term, uh, logistical difficulties or something to that effect. So, uh, as I was talking about with, with the team here off air, that, that sounds like they are there. This may be like a unified plan. Maybe they all realized they couldn't do the show. Uh, I'm speculating that might be related to the amount of ticket sales. They might be postponing to be allowed to have more people in the arena that they want to have. Um, I'm not really sure, but, uh, 
uh, the, because they're all talking about it using the same sort of language, uh, I'm a little more optimistic that whenever they reschedule, we may still have our full main event because without any of the anybody from the Ingrid Bernabe's crew, you have almost nobody in the main event, and you've lost a good number of people out of the the, uh, the Copa that was going to be one of their opener matches. So, you know, maybe maybe some good news will come if they can everybody can keep it together. I don't know. Do you, did you guys have any observations or thoughts on this one? Uh. Yeah, go ahead, Dusty. Well, I I still hadn't ordered my pay-per-view yet because I was <laughs> hesitant to send my money until yes. I was sure that the show was going to happen. I guess yeah. that describes my level of uh, belief mm-hmm. in their their ability to get the show off the ground. It just, yeah, everything about it felt a little amateur in an odd way. And despite the, like, they were offering real high-caliber matches, but it felt like the anticipation and excitement just wasn't there the way it should have been. Yeah, I mean, so I was willing to be a little more excited because of the high caliber of matches, but uh, I don't remember if we talked about this on air or not, but to, to your point about the, the the early days of ordering the pay-per-view, you were still, it was still going to a an email address that was being used for adult movies. So wow. um, <laughs> that really it adds to some that. inbox. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and yeah, that adds to that feeling of, of hurried amateurishness. Um they try to put their best foot forward, like, you know, they've got a decent social media presence and they, they were announcing big matches. But, uh, yeah, the, they couldn't, they, they weren't able to, to generate excitement in the, as much as they should have social media wise. And, uh, without television or anything else to do the work for them, it, it was really hard. They had that one AAA invasion angle at, uh, at the, the pay-per-view, but no follow-up since then, really. Yeah. I, I just yeah. echo, uh, dusty sentiments about, you know, and we see this a lot too here in the U.S. Is sometimes when a card is too good to be true, sometimes it is. Oh, yeah. And, um, I think the star power was all there, uh, the promotion was all there, but the fact that they were really stacking the card and they just kept growing and growing and growing is a sign. And especially, and they haven't really been established for that long, is, you know, how could they, you think of the finances, you think of the logistics, you think of the interest, you just think of a lot where, you know, the the shows that tend to start off with such a big bang don't tend to stick around for very long, if they even do a show. So I think that it just felt like it was too good to be true. And then as soon as, I mean, it, it was obvious that there was somewhat of a domino effect by having all of, of, of these stars um, a bow out that without a lot of people who they advertise, there wasn't going to be a way for them to keep up with what they had promised. Uh, but I don't know if it was, I'm, I would think that if it was maybe them canceling first or them having to reschedule first, that they would put the announcement out first before 
the luchadors started to put their announcements, it seems like the fact that they weren't able to come and make it really deeply impacted the show to the point where they weren't going to be able to run. Yeah, uh, I think that goes back to Dusty's misgivings about it feeling kind of amateurish. I think that uh, they probably didn't communicate clearly enough to the talent that they wanted to make an announcement first mm-hmm. uh, or or even think of necessarily think about it they might not have even thought oh it would be uh, better for us to make this announcement first it's hard mm-hmm. to say i could i i mean it, you know i don't know what the total experience of the promoter is so who knows but um definitely by letting the talent or or having the talent i don't know if they let them announce first it uh it it really fuels the the sort of indecision and cynicism of of uh fans like us i mean i'm gonna be i didn't order the pay-per-view either my excuse wasn't nearly as uh as uh forward thinking as dusty as it was mostly oh i'll get around to it It wasn't. I don't think this is going to happen. But I, I tend to have rose-tinted glasses when I see uh, a, a dream card that is, mm-hmm. which is legitimately what they had. I, I just really, yeah. you know, and they, they had, they had. So allegedly, at least Roosh was also financially invested in this. So I mean, they, they had, they had wrestler backing on it. They had all, of the, all these talents announced themselves for being on it as well. They didn't. It wasn't just a. A phantom card, which is uh, one of my biggest fears always, like when I see a card and then I don't hear anything from the wrestlers that are supposedly on the card. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so the 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 big takeaway, again, is that the show has been postponed. No wrestler has officially withdrawn from the show. They just said they weren't going to be able to attend at that date. So now that uh, the show is being postponed, we still don't know who's going to be on, if, if the card's going to be changed or not. So we probably can look forward to many more weeks of major announcements from Federation Wrestling, and we yeah. will be covering them here. But that's my road back to show. I, I uh, knew we were going to have a lot to say on this, so I kept it short and sweet. Also, we are a little bit ahead of our normal news cycle normally. As Miranda will will tell you, I, uh, I I predict big things happening on Wednesdays, and we didn't have a lot of time to to look down the the barrel of that gun today. So uh, <laughs> that's our that's our uh, our road back to shows for the week is uh, Federation Wrestling making some not so good great moves for the fans, and Mexico City being green. So. Hopefully that means we will have lots of big announcements soon. So I'm going to just jump right in, go over to the Indie Roundup. We I, I have one match. I did post footage of this in our Facebook group. Uh, Mas Lucha put up some highlights from it. The uh, uh, Andrade match that was going to be happening in L.A. with Andrade Vieto Suicida versus Hijo del Santo Rey Leon. And Mysterioso did happen. Uh, it was a two out of three falls match, but the important fall, the third fall, Andrade directly got the pinfall over Hijo del Santo. 
So uh, the post-match angles were around that. It's, it sounds like Andrade is, was kind of being a little bit of the arrogant young buck sort of person and that uh, Santos' time is over and it's time for performers like him to take the spotlight. And it's, uh, they're, they're very definitely trying to tease towards a singles match with each other. I don't know who would pick that up maybe it'll be the same promotion maybe it'll be uh one of the these they're very much trying to get that that by putting this in front of an american crowd they're very much trying to get this in front of uh more eyes in america because but you can guarantee they'd fill out a stadium anywhere in mexico with that announcement too so um uh that is the and I don't have, that's the Lucha Central is the network, I believe is how, how we phrase that on our Facebook, for the Facebook group we have. Um, Lucha Central News. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, highlights are there. A couple of neat pictures went up. Uh, uh, Jerry and, uh, Pep are always posting interesting things, but. Mm-hmm. I did put Matt this this there, and hopefully that means that somebody will put it on the YouTube channel at some point too. But that's my indie roundup. We had uh, Andrade and Hijo del Santo. I mean, it was it was a six man match, but they they very definitely were in the ring together, and Andrade got uh, the best of them at this point, which was kind of interesting. Interesting. Yes, and that is the Lucha Central Weekly News Group on Facebook. Um, you can request to join that if you want to be a part of it. As Brendan mentioned, we do post links not only from Lucha Central, uh, but, of course, there's others that post other uh uh, links in there too, but uh, a lot of links that are collected throughout the the web focused on Lucha Libre. Um, you can find that at Lucha Central Weekly News Facebook group. And thank you, Brennan, for both the Road Back to Shows and the Indie Roundup. Uh, of course, make sure you stay tuned on what's going to come out. I, I wholeheartedly agree with Brendan one way or another. More news about Federa- Federation Wrestling <laughs> will be coming out um in the next few weeks whether that is an announcement of a new date or maybe some news that will be coming out regarding the circumstances of this date having to be postponed one one way or another we all know how this works more news is going to be coming out but with that you know let's kick it off to denise alceda who brings us this week's lucha central central why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Mass, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. 
Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at luchacentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live it's Wrestle Boss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcast, one in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic. The Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to lucha-masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha Legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution Luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite Luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. And thank you to Denise Alcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central, letting you know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network. Up next, Dusty has some AAA news to share. Yeah, well, it's a little bit of AAA news. TNT Sports Mexico launched on June the 11th, and the official launch largely focused on the presentation for Champions League 2021-2022 soccer but a press release before the official launch stated that there would be an upcoming announcement of Mexico-based Lucha Libre programming as part of the channel's offerings. Space Channel is the home of AAA in Mexico, and it is also a TNT property. So Mexico Lucha Libre is most likely alluding to a AAA show, but it may be that the existing AAA programming for space is now going to be shown in more places. It's a rather regional right now. And so it may be expanded because from the initial announcements, it sounds like TNT Sports Mexico won't be an actual broadcast channel, but a branding package for the sports content airing on the TNT Turner family of channels in Mexico. So it'll really be interesting to see if this will improve the ease of finding AAA content in the U.S. once the dust is kind of settled on the lawsuit between uh, AAA and Lucha Libre FMV. The, if it spreads the availability of Lucha, it's more likely that we'd be able to get more Lucha up here. The shows would be a little more consistently available, so that's all very exciting. And speaking of TNT, we have a full slate of AEW coming your way. We have first up 
AEW Monday Night Dark Elevation, Eddie Kingston, and Penta El Zero Miedo with Alex Abrahantes. He came out with them versus Eric Cannon and Cannon Blackwood or Kevin Blackwood. And this was actually a rematch of sorts between Eric Cannon and Eddie Kingston. They had squared off a few times in Chikara back in the day, and Eric was like a name on the indie scene a few years ago. Not that long ago, maybe. It seems a little shorter than it was. But, you know, it's nice to see him show up on the big stage. And it was also nice <clears> – <throat> excuse me. It was nice to see Penta and Eddie tagging together. In this match, I forgot how much I enjoyed their dynamic together when they had Eddie Kingston's family, mm-hmm. and, you know, when he kind of took the pack role there. So it's interesting to see him kind of taking the Phoenix role right now with Phoenix injured. But this match was awesome. I highly recommend you check it out. The, the finish was great. Kingston is tagged in and Penta dazed Blackwoods with a fear factor. I mean, it looked amazing and then kingston followed up with a saito suplex that the commentary called a half and half and that cinched the win it was a great match and i hope it's a sign that we may see more of the penta eddie kingston alignment in the future we've seen that the pairing that AEW kind of wants is pack and phoenix you know that seemed to be the tag team they were pushing before phoenix's injury so it would be interesting to kind of bring him into the dynamic and to have Sort of an outside person for Pinta to tag with at times. I I just like the pairing. It, but, yeah. it it also gives potential for story. So mm-hmm. like yeah. maybe we can get some consistent story out of out of having it happen this way. But yeah, it's true. So. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry, I just yeah have to no yeah fire my shots. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Next up, we had Tuesday Dark. And our highlight match was all ego Ethan Page at a 13 and 2 record versus Danny Limelight with a 3 and 7 record. And it was nice to see Danny Limelight back on dark. Like it'd been a little while. And he has consistently shown himself to be one of the most versatile performers in AEW. And this week's match was no exception. I'm honestly not sure why Danny isn't all elite yet, as I think he would be one of the strongest signings to their roster. He can wrestle against anybody, different styles, different, always something innovative. And this match obviously was part of that. His opponent on this match again was all ego Ethan Page, and he seemed to be the only guy in Daly's place that wasn't a fan of Danny Limelight. <laughs> and I mean, like, it's true. Like, everybody, it was, uh, it was just cool how much they, Enjoyed him. Danny hit a fantastic tightrope walk into a flipped neckbreaker, but it wasn't enough as Ethan Page was able to pick up the win with the ego's edge at the four minute and 20 second mark. Then we had, uh, not Wednesday night, but Friday night dynamite. It'll be Friday, clear up through the end of June. June 30th will be the first Wednesday show, but We'll get to that in a moment. But anyway, first up, we had Christian Cage versus Angelico. Uh, this was a pretty good opening match. I really enjoyed it. But my problem with it was it wasn't about Angelico or Jack Evans. It was just a tool towards f- furthering the feud between Christian and Matt Hardy. But Christian versus Matt Hardy in 2021 really does nothing for me. Like, I'm not even trying to be rude, but they were both the least interesting guys of their respective tag teams. And so, like, <laughs> it kind of shows in the feud. You know what I mean? Like, I Yeah, just, I follow you. Yeah, I mean, Christian's look and his work 
is perfectly solid, and he hasn't looked bad at all. But at the same time, he hasn't really looked great. And to have somebody with such limitless charisma and limitless ability like Angelico lose to 47-year-old Christian, who could be putting over younger talent, it's just – it wasn't for me. And uh, But I enjoyed the match, just the, the, the dynamic of it, the actuality of it wasn't for me. And then after the I, match yeah. – go ahead, sorry. I just I, – I have an – I had an interesting observation on watching this. They have this great story for them where Angelico and Jack Evans are the hitmen for Matt Hardy, but they're not giving them the credibility by letting them win against people on, on Dynamite. They need to be able to, to come out and – do some real damage on dynamite so that that feel it, it feels like this is a legitimate threat to Christian Cage cuz that will help Cage be a better baby face um uh, yeah sorry that's that was just no, I, my it, my weird yeah. observation of it. it well it goes back to kind of the bigger the bigger story about you know dark and even elevation and how they tie into dynamite and sometimes they don't like when you know, Dusty was going into Ethan Page's stats like thirteen and two. I was like, how? You know, like how yeah. has he has he had that many matches? And a lot. I mean, if he's always on dark or elevation, okay, that makes sense. But then that doesn't translate into dynamite. So I just feel like there's opportunities where they can do more continuity, like you also mentioned. You know, with the with the you know pairing of of Eddie Kingston and Penta, that you know that would be really well showcased on. Um, on dynamite. Um, but maybe because storyline, they don't have of any way of explaining it other than John Moxley's out because he had a baby, you yeah. know, like they say, ah, oh, it's not important enough to put. So like they have three products literally that will con- more continuously be on three days in a row back to back to back. So there's so many opportunities for continuity that it just seems like mm-hmm. they really use dark and elevation as a way to bolster up people's numbers or rankings. But then when it comes to dynamite, it doesn't even matter. It almost feels like it's two to three completely separate products, which if that's something that they're going to go for eventually, that's what that's okay. But that doesn't seem like that's the master plan either. So start using it more for continuity and have things that start on dark eventually matriculate into dynamite sometimes they have things from dynamite into dark you know every so often you'll see john moxley or kenny omega or or one of those big you know fight of wrestlers on these other shows but more times than not it's a way to give ethan page 13 matches uh because we'll never see him on on dynamite but they i mean they they can even start with just real little things. They can just have one of the commentators say that he's 13 and one, uh, you know, coming off of a big win last night on, on AEW dark, right? They could do that if they wanted to, to, to refer people to that product to remind them that things are happening on the other shows because they, they have to keep a tight two hour schedule maybe, but they're not, they're, they're not doing that either. So it does add to that separation. We've totally derailed you, Dusty. Yes, yeah, sorry about no, that. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I agreed with all points, actually. Like, this is right up my alley. And, but we did have another match that we kind of mentioned, you know, the Penta and Eddie Kingston. We had Pac, Penta, and Eddie Kingston versus the Young Bucks and Cutler. 
at Brandon Cutler. Don Callis joined commentary on this match. It was very fast-paced. I enjoyed that, but it was a bit predictable finish. I found the uh, like the addition of Eddie Kingston interesting. This was before the dark match even, so it was especially interesting Friday night. But it was obvious from the moment that it was announced that Cutler was in the match, that his job was to take the pin. Because you know the Bucks aren't going to lay down for three seconds. That's not what they're there for. And, I mean, I'm not complaining. I find the Bucks entertaining. And if this is the Bucks, you know, that you you love, then, you know, if you love the heel shtick, this is what you got. But it, it was a great match. After the match, the Bucks attacked Penta and Kingston. And the good brothers came in to assist, but then Kazarian showed up to help even up the numbers, and they drove the heels to the back. It was a surprisingly good match for, you know, like Dynamite, but at the same time, it would have been nice, you know, to see, you know, maybe Penta get the pin or or even Tack. I wanted to ask about that, because they they called Kazarian the Elite Hunter. Yeah. this is the first time I've seen or heard that he's like acting on any sort of, of beef he has with them, obviously, because they broke up the tag team. We can fill in the blank that he would have beef. But are you aware of it? Like, has this happened somewhere on maybe uh, Dark or Elevation? Or? I did not see it on Dark or okay. Elevation. I thought maybe being the elite or one of the, That's you probably know, the YouTube it. shows. I don't That's watch those very regularly, okay. so... That's it, I mean, yeah, they probably yeah. did it on. Uh, but I he is a regular on Yeah. And then our main event, we had Cage and Hobbs versus Hangman Page and Dark Orders 10. Yeah. This was such a great match. Like, so good. Cage was just a shining star in the whole match. He hit a 619 that was so fluid and fast and effortless and just beautiful. You didn't, like, somebody his size should not be able to move that fast and easily on something with a 619. I mean, we see how Ray takes it now, you know, and he's kind of more ginger in his approach, Mm -hmm. but when Cage comes at you, it's like a hurricane swinging around. I mean, it looked <laughs> frightening. Like it, it was so yeah. good. It looks, it looks like it really could do some damage. Yeah. It was amazing. Uh, but the real story and the highlight of the match was towards the end of the match, Ricky Starks threw Cage, the FTW title to, you know, to use it in the match. Cage throws it away and then takes a real stiff slap from Ricky Starks, and that pissed Cage off. So he jumped out of the ring. He chased Starkey Baby straight through the tunnel to the back. So then Hobbs decided to hit a spine buster. He got a two count on ten. A ripcord cutter, however, dropped Hobbs, and then the buckshot lariat from Hangman Page got his team the pin at the 10-minute and 18-second mark. There was a lot going on in this match, but the mm-hmm. best part for me was that continued and evolving split of Team Taz being the biggest story. The match mm-hmm. I personally won is Cage versus Starks. That's going to be amazing, but I think we're going to have to wait to get there with Ricky's injury. But Hobbs versus Cage will be good, and I would, I'd be good with that too. The two big guys, the powerhouses. I mean, that's always exciting, but these guys are also so, Fast and fluid. These aren't your average two big men. No. 
Oh, no, they're both super. Like, Hobbs is basically what Cage was five years ago, and mm-hmm. Cage hasn't slowed yeah. down very no. much since no. that no. time. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Assuming and, that's the way they go with the story, but yeah, I, I, that's what I want. Like, well, some, my, my prediction is that we're going to have Cage versus Starks whenever he's, he's healthy. For the FTW championship, because they're going to have to take the oh, FTW yeah. belt off of Cage. Yeah. That would so, be awesome. Uh, yeah, and that's the match yeah. I really want out of the team tag. <laughs> and they, there's been rumors we're going to see Hook wrestle, you know, in the, sometime in the next four weeks or so. And so it seems like that'll be brought into part of it, too. And also, this was the first match in a long time that I felt like Hangman Adam Page felt like a big deal and an important deal. And I'm mm-hmm. always good with that, too. Big fan of his, even though it's not Lucha. But, yeah, that was awesome. And then we had a, an announcement this last week that July, we're back starting June 30th, but all of July – Dynamite is back to Wednesday nights, and they have a special schedule for the first month of shows on the road. July 7th in Miami is the Road Rager. July 14th in Austin, Texas is Fighter Fest Night 1. July 21st in Dallas, Texas is Fighter Fest Night 2. And July 28th in Charlotte, North Carolina is Fight for the Fallen. And they also, the July, or the June 30th show rather, will be the final Daily's Place show, and they're making a big deal out of an announcement coming this Friday, the uh, 18th, June the 18th, for what they will, the main event will be on the first Wednesday Night Dynamite back, and most people are assuming that it's Andrade, you know, that we're going mm-hmm. to see Andrade's first match. And so that's, I am, yeah, I'm terribly excited one. for that. <laughs> That is the one thing you've skipped, was that uh, we got a vignette of Andrade yes, on this that's week's true. episode, too. <laughs> so we didn't get much. Uh, for those of you that are, are, are wanting to hear what he, what's going on, he, it was uh, probably a half minute. Uh, I don't uh, – he, he didn't say much. They mostly just showed no. him uh, dressed up real fancy. Yeah, he was wearing a white pinstripe double-breasted suit, and he had his La Sombra pendant on his necklace. Like, yeah, he yeah. he looked like a gangster. It was amazing, like very old school, very classic look. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I go ahead. In my opinion, they should have done these things in reverse. They should have given us this vignette last week. And then had the had him yeah. walk out, cut that promo this week. The the crowd would have popped a lot more, I guarantee it. Yeah. But uh, too it's late. My, <laughs> yeah, it's my understanding that they're back to no crowds. That it's mostly just wrestlers at ringside. And so I think that the reason they pulled out Andrade when they did was there was mm. just a crowd there. Yeah. But the crowd seemed real baffled. Like, I don't know if it was just the, the booze from Vicky yeah. and the lack of music, but yeah. Well, I mean, they could have still done the same thing, where if they did a vignette first, if they even waited a week, because ultimately, if if we're not even going to see him wrestle until the end of July, what was the rush of bringing him in? You could have still done a vignette, and then when you did have a crowd – you know, because yeah. it could have still been like they, he couldn't have been announced, you know, he and and now fans would have still been a little bit more familiar. But I kind of agree with that thought process 
and and just maybe delaying it a, a, a little bit of time if you know they had really no plans to have him in the ring until July. Yeah. Well, and I just miss old school the old school vignette intros like yes. I mean, yeah yeah you know like they even uh, got it right with eva marie yeah yeah you know i mean like <laughs> how can they get it right with eva marie and AEW can't get it right with andrade like no it's frustrating <laughs> i feel oh, yeah. i feel dirty now but yeah i, I think that that's the only logical spot for that main event you know their last daily's place show would be andrade if i had to pick an opponent i think phoenix is supposed to be healed up right around then so let's say phoenix yeah <laughs> now you're just fantasy booking <laughs> well we know they listen to the show so yeah. tk just take some notes yeah. from us that's, that's free advice, DJ. Free, yep, yeah, that's free advice, DJ. You're a businessman not to take the free advice. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, you've paid for worse. Ah. <laughs> I'm going in hard. I'm looking at you, Cody. Oh, oh, oh! He, he named names. Where's the lie? Where's the lie? <laughs> I I'm just, searching. I'm I didn't searching. think we were gonna far and wide for the lie. I, I didn't think we were gonna be naming names. I thought we were just gonna leave it so the the smart people knew what we were talking about, and everybody else would just be like, "I'm glad I don't know." Cause... Oh, Dusty, don't play like that. <laughs> I go hard. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Dusty, for both the AAA news and AEW review. Of course, you can check out. Uh, the results for these AEW shows on LuchaCentral.com. And let us know your thoughts on this week's AEW. What are your thoughts on the matches that we've talked about? AEW going back on the road. And, you know, our hypothesis as far as when Andrade will be making his in-ring debut. But up next, we have NXT. This past Sunday, we had In Your House. Numero dos. Not really the name, but it was just, you know, my player on it. Uh, but NXT In Your House happened this week, and I love the throwback vibe that they did more this year than they did during last year's show. So uh really appreciate that. NXT just is just so hard. I mean, sometimes they don't, like, rarely do they miss the mark. I, I just feel like. It rarely do they miss the mark in a lot of things that they they do. Um, but let me go into In Your House with the results. We started off the show with the winner-takes-all match for the NXT Tag Team Championships and the North American Championships. Champions Ronson Breed and MSK face Legado de Fantasma. I was kind of surprised that this match was starting the show um, just because I had pretty high expectations. And, you know, again, I kind of booked myself into a corner where I truly thought Legato was going to win this. This would have been a great opportunity uh, mm-hmm. for someone else to get the pinfall while, you know, one of the other champions looks strong. Um, mm-hmm. But the match itself was really entertaining. Um, you know, the chemistry, surprisingly, between Bronson Reed and MSK was really good. 
they did some good trios work um, for a team that hasn't been, you know, on TV together very much. Um, and, and on paper, just together to fight Legado de Fantasma, there was some really quick, good, quick tags between the three. Especially MSK, but Bronson Reed was very surprising. Um, but eventually, you know, throughout the match, uh, Legado de Fantasma was able to kind of, again, leverage some momentum um, by, you know, taking out Bronson Reed for a little bit. And again, MSK kind of just struggled um, with Legado de Fantasma kind of being everywhere. Uh, but, you know, again, I think NXT just loved <laughs> the sound of Bronson Reed hitting uh, Santos Escobar because outside of the ring toward the end of the match, you had uh, Bronson Reed just ram Santos Escobar into uh, the side of the barrier, completely taking it out. Um, last week, he rammed uh, Santos into it with a pretty good ricochet, but this week he completely plowed him through. So, um, you know, that was, uh, that, that took the out, that was the opening for MSK to take out, uh, Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza for the win. And this one, as it was a great entertaining match. Again, I feel like actually Bronson Reed and MSK really, you know, shined really bright. Of course, Legado de Fantasma did as well, but it makes me really wonder what's next for them. And we've been wondering that really now for quite some time mm-hmm. since Santos had lost the uh, Cruiserweight Championship. It made sense for him to kind of point his direction to the North American Championship. And, of course, Joaquin Wilde and Roman Doza still on that track for the tag championships. But this is now, what, the third, fourth championship yeah. opportunity that they've had that, that they've lost. Yeah. And it seems like the tag team championship scene is going in a different direction against, you know, the grizzled young vets and mm. uh, Ch- Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher possibly. Um, so I, I feel like they're going to move away from them. Now the next feud that Legato really has to be in really, you know, they need to, to shine bright. You know, there was some thoughts, and we talked about this off air, you know, maybe they could go up against another faction like Hit Row. But they're really trying to build up Hit Row, and I can't imagine them having have having them lose to Hit Row if they're really doing their best to build them up as a new faction, as a threat. So I, it makes me wonder what else could be next for them if they're really no longer in the tag scene. Maybe Santos has... Um, you know, an, op- an opportunity for the North American Championship again because he technically wasn't the one that was gotten pinned, and so maybe he's going to shoot for a more of a one-on-one opportunity. But I, it makes me really wonder what the next step could be for Legato. So it's un- unfortunate that you started off by commenting on the fact that NXT rarely misses the mark because I felt like that's what they did with this. You had a great opening match. You had uh, three guys in Bronson Reed and MSK that could have come out looking great and being elevated even in a loss, whereas Legato del Fantasma, by losing, has only lost value. They, mm-hmm. they, they're they no longer credible in the tag team division. They uh, Santos did such an excellent job of being a cringy heel in this match that he's not really credible as a heavyweight threat. Mm-hmm. Um uh, which is fine 
sort of, but it's it's not raising his value. Nobody's going to think he legitimately is going to beat Bronson Reed. So yeah, well, and yeah. and now I mean they've, they've been kind of notorious for the tactics that they use, utilizing yeah. that you know triple team in any opportunity, um, interfering in each other's matches. So that doesn't quite surprise me, though. Again. It just seems coming from a completely different direction because Santos won the Cruiserweight Championship unification match. Right. You know, and, but, and, and this is, yeah. yeah, this is where I think it's a misstep because they would, they did a beautiful job of being really good heels and, and cheating to win. And the, the MSK and Bronson Reed did a really good job of gelling together as a team, doing high flying, exciting moves, mostly, uh, forcing the the match to become more you know legal and pure whenever they took control of it so had they had uh legato del fantasma managed to cheat and win that would have been on brand for everything they did it would have still elevated the other the other three guys and it makes santos a credible heel threat to any title even though he would have had one whereas now he just you you're not, nobody's, I won't say nobody. It's not easy to take the threat seriously. Even if he gets a one-on-one match, you know, you're, you're gonna be expecting, you know, him to just cheat the whole time and probably not win. And that's, you know, so I f- feel like they had a really hot commodity in Legato del Fantasma and they're already looking past that towards uh, Strickland's faction to, to be the next, uh, the next big group. And, uh, I, so I do feel they made a misstep here. They, you, you can't, it's hard with the talent they've got to have a bad match. So it's nothing on, I always want to, anytime I'm being negative here, I always want to make sure the performers did an excellent job. There was no, there was not a bad match. It was very entertaining. Uh, I just didn't like the way that it, it, basically mm-hmm. I was so uh, after that we had the singles match between Mercedes Martinez and Zaya Lee uh, this one from the bell started out pretty aggressive both of them fell out of the ring um, because they were just kind of viciously mauling each other um, and you know Zaya Lee had control for a good portion of the match um, until they went to the outside and uh, um Mercedes Martinez was able to avoid a pretty big kick, um, move out of the ring post or move away from the ring post where Zaylee kind of did a hard kick and that helped kind of with her momentum going back into the ring. However, uh, you know, one of the, her associates, uh, Zaylee's associates from Tian Shaw kept kind of interfering in the match, kept getting in the way. Uh, and that kind of helped lead to enough of a distraction um for Zaylee to get the win um with a really a, a beautiful kick um mm-hmm. afterwards um Mercedes Martinez though got a chair to kind of be the equalizer in the ring and that led to a, a stare down with me uh Ying who is the leader of Tian Shaw and um you know very much of a mystical moment where she grabbed the throat of Mercedes Martinez and shoved her uh off into the uh, barricade so it looks like this 
match in particular, this program is going to keep on going and we may see more of a role from uh, Mi Ying. Um, her take more of actual a bigger step in the ring or just a bigger presence mm-hmm. within the program. Yeah, that's actually, I mean, just to, my my view on that is most people, without you reminding them that Xia uh, Li actually got the win, most people are just, just going to remember that moment yeah. after where me right. did. Uh, so it really seems to be more about getting that Mercedes Martinez aligned against someone else in in this uh, group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Up next, we had the NXT Women's Championship match, Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon. Um, this one, Ember, like she has in the past, really had to utilize her speed. Right away, she stopped out, She started with a drop kick, um, and she had to really keep up aggressively with speed in order to face and tackle uh, Raquel's strength. Um, and at one point, though, Raquel, what she's been doing great, and it's the effect that the Capitol Wrestling Center has with the barricade with you know the plexiglass and the chain link around it some great sound effects when people get rammed into it so between bronson reed throwing uh santos or or ramming santos through the barricade and the constant pretty much almost in every match for kel gonzalez is throwing someone up against that barricade it makes a great sound effect um but uh you know towards the end of the match Dakota Kai had a big hand in helping Gonzalez out um, and, and helping prevent a, a pin uh, from Ember Moon. Um, but then Shotzi Blackheart came out to help equalize the match, running Dakota Kai out of the uh, ring area. Um, and, of course, you know, kind of continuing that storyline between Dakota Kai and Shotzi Blackheart. Um, but... Ember Moon hit or a tornado DDT um, on the platform um, for a near fall, but right afterwards Raquel Gonzalez hit her one-handed power bomb, which she has named the Chingona bomb, which made me laugh uh, in only the best ways when I heard that. Um, they have it on paper, but they don't say it, and I don't know if it's just because the announcers don't know how to say it, but. Uh, when they have, you know, the stats up by her name, they reference it as the Chingona bomb. So, um, she, but she did retain her title. Um, and, you know, it does seem like, and I'll talk a little bit later about, you know, uh, what's next, but, um, I mean, Raquel Gonzalez has gotten her revenge against Ember Moon, um, not only in defending her championship, but, uh, the fact that, you know, Ember and Shotzi took away their NXT women's title run um, just on the same night that they were awarded those titles. And then finally, we had the NXT Fatal Five-Way Championship match. Karrion Cross defending his title against Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Johnny Gargano, and Pete Dunne. And this match... I mean, it was hard to to not expect it to be as chaotic as it was because literally for the past week, they have been fighting all over the Capitol Wrestling Center. They had that before the show. I mean, it was it was a brawl everywhere that they went. Um, and so this too was very interesting because you had different styles all in the same ring. Um, the highlights for me was um, when Johnny Gargano and Pete Dunne uh, threw carrying cross into the front door of the stage set um so that was how 
that set was being used last year. If anyone remembers, Io Shirai jumped off the top of the set um, onto um, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. So the fact that that set had some damage to it wasn't very surprising, but I, you know, like the way that they did it. Um, but the ending to me was the most interesting because you had uh, at, um, Kyle O'Reilly put Adam Cole, I think it was in a ankle lock submission, um, maybe not exactly that, but some kind of ankle lock submission. And then Karrion Cross comes out of nowhere to then put Kyle O'Reilly in the cross jacket. And then as you see Kyle O'Reilly losing, you know, his strength, letting go of his submission and Karrion putting on the cross jacket tighter um, to win. So that was, uh, you know, the match itself was all over the place, but really, really interesting. Some great spots um, between Karrion Cross and Pete Dunne. Of course, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole and that whole program. Um, Johnny Gargano, I thought, you know, there would be some moments where I'm like, man, how crazy would it be if Johnny Gargano won? Uh, Knowing that that wouldn't happen, but um, I think it was a a really entertaining and fantastic match. Um, But Karrion Cross, still your NXT champion. Um, And that leads us to this week in NXT. At the end of In Your House, William Regal, who was just seemingly exhausted from the events of this past week, uh, mentioned that he was looking for a change. And this week on NXT, that change came in the form of Samoa Joe, um, who he originally had pretty much asked him to take over his job, but ended it selling up on um, being a, I guess, a special type of enforcer. And so Samoa Joe uh, is back on the scene very much, very easily, seemingly that he could, you know, possibly be carrying Cross's next opponent. Um, so that shut up and take my money um, with carrying Cross <laughs> and Samoa Joe. Um, but just some interesting points on the women's side for this week on NXT. Um, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai face Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter. Um, it's great to see Casey and Caden back um, in the ring. Um, I know I believe Casey was dealing with some injuries for a while. And again, I mean, for anyone who is a fan of flippy stuff, Casey just continues to grow and utilize her strength in gymnastics and in anything aerial. Um, she really honed in. She seemed like she's able, she, you know, I think the, there was some issues with like over rotations in the past and a little bit of, I don't want to say sloppy because that's not the right word. Um, but just like preciseness in her movement that this week seemed mm-hmm. to be a lot tighter and she was a lot more precise and a lot more in control of her rotations. And that made it just so good, especially with her and, and Kaden Carter with again, a lot of quick tags back and forth, quick movements. It was like spider monkeys in the ring and Raquel Gonzalez like just had no way of controlling it. <laughs> Um, Anytime Casey and Raquel are in the ring together, it's really amazing. Like, the two of them play off of each other really well. So uh, I highly recommend this match. It's Yes, I highly I, – I thought it was a fun match. Uh, Dakota Kai, though, got the pin um, hitting the GTK uh, – on, I believe it was Catanzaro for the win. Um, 
and they're really on the road to the NXT Women's Champ Tag Team Championships. You know, that seems, you know, you never know. I think that's kind of the interesting thing um, is that one week they can kind of be focused on the tag championships, the next not. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a line for the NXT Women's Championship uh, because Io Shirai, uh, came out later in the show. She wanted to announce who she wanted to face next, but Candice LeRae came out and interrupted her, um, pretty much tying in this larger storyline that Io Shirai is friends with Poppy. Uh, Candice LeRae is, is, you know, partners with Indy Hartwell. Uh, Poppy did something that hurt uh, Indy, which was hug Dexter Loomis, and that's kind of the deeper thing. And Candace said, your friend hurt my friend, so now I'm going to get at you. Um, so both Candace LeRae and Andy Hartwell attacked Io Shirai. Um, they were setting up a big elbow drop from the announce table, but she was saved by Zoe Stark, um, who was able to be the equalizer. So we may see the team of Io Shirai and Zoe Stark uh, versus Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. So the women's tag division is pretty, pretty ramped up again. Um, but of course, you know, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai are always going to be kind of lurking there, ready mm-hmm. to go when an opportunity strikes. So a great week, kind of more in Lucha Libre content for the women's division. Um, but we will see much, much more. They also announced the Great American Bash will be coming back. Um, in July, so already they announced Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole, um, and we know we're going to see Karrion Cross in a match. We will for sure see uh, Raquel Gonzalez as well, so we will see. But a pretty packed week with NXT. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, the results for our NXT are available on LuchaCentral.com, so if you missed out on anything, make sure you check out those results. But up next, Ring of Honor, we have a big return this week in Dragon Lee. <laughs> well, and LFI. Yes. This is, uh, <laughs> this is basically, uh, LFI's return as well. So, uh, we got, okay, so I'm gonna backstep a little bit. We, uh, this week on television, we had a couple of matches that were were scheduled uh, as I teased last week the it was uh, uh Kenny King and Dragon Lee were going to be in the ring against Tracy Williams and um uh, I just, just this is why I have notes uh uh Tracy Williams and uh Rhett Titus and uh and and this was going to be a pure rules tag match for the tag team championship. That that was our main event on the show. We did have another qualifier for uh, survival of the fittest uh, as the as the starter. Not at all lucha adjacent. Uh, they did they started there, uh, and uh, then we had some some promo for this. For this, and uh, Dragon Lee is definitely kind of putting it really in the spirit of, of LFI. He's dressing fancy here all the time. His ring attire is getting fancy here. Really good stuff. But unfortunately, this match suffered from being on TV instead of the pay per view it was scheduled to be for. Uh, it was a good match. It was a great match for TV, but it was it was 
wasn't the over-the-top spectacular that you would get on a pay-per-view. It was it, they were clearly editing and cutting away at times, so yeah, you kind of missed a bunch of it. Um, I I uh, I don't know if you guys watched this one or not yet, but I I, uh, I did enjoy it. I I loved it. And uh, once again, this this is my story. This. The foundation did come out on on top on this one, and I really wanted to to see them uh, to see the 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 rematch. I mean, maybe it was always going to be the way they were going to win at the pay per view, even if uh, Dragon Lee had been there. But you know, I kind of wanted to see a little bit of a reset to where they were at before Dragon Lee got hurt, and then and then go from there. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, I mean, you, yeah, it's still a very good, great episode of ROH. I'm, I'm, uh, not going to, uh, I'm not gonna hate it. I'm certainly not, <laughs> not, uh, not mad, and I'm not mad about next week's match that they showed the graphic for, which is Dragon Lee challenging for the other title that was defended. The, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, maybe he wins this one. Hopefully that's what happens, is he, you know, he'll, We'll realign things, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that was our, our ROH for this week. Um, definitely we're going to have more news next week. And they're with LFI back in action. Uh, that was, I, I did gloss over. I almost forgot that was our big ending is, uh, the both, both factions wound up brawling while, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and basically ate sandwiches. I mean, they were they were there to just enjoy. <laughs> yeah, the show. they were just. Hey, you know, let the chaos ensue. Why step in when <laughs> right? all of their competition could beat each other up? <laughs> yeah, no, I just I enjoyed that part that they because the first time they they came it they turned it into a three way brawl for reasons but this makes more sense just like let them beat each other up and uh we will just uh enjoy the show from up here and i, I mean it's great so uh hopefully hopefully uh we get more of this this now that lfi's back we should see this three-way feud they've been building really intensify and uh maybe just maybe we will see uh we will see that building towards a pay-per-view match with kind of a four versus four versus four. That'd be my ideal thing. But you know, you gotta get, uh, that would mean that you wouldn't get Roosh defending the, the heavyweight title in that pay-per-view. So may not happen that way. Well, now we're going to take you through a little tour of history with this week in Lucha Libre history. Yeah, that's right. Now it's time for this week in Lucha Libre history. Be sure to check in at LuchaCentral.com every single day for this day in Lucha Libre by Pep Carrera. He's got information on their birth dates, anniversaries, matches of the day, amazing videos, and even more. And it's all about Lucha Libre, and that's at LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week we chose June the 17th, 2000, when the Padrissimo Lucha Libre show was held. This was the first and only 
time that CMLL and AAA have worked together on a major show or a televised show. This was at the request of Televisa, and if you don't know, Televisa at least was, I mean, there still are, but they were a very big deal in Mexico. They're still a big deal, but they were a very big deal. They are a TV network that is national, and not only that, at that time, they owned most of the local affiliates in Mexico mm-hmm. and a lot of the radio stations as well. So when Televisa wanted it, they had to agree, and even though they can't get along in one company or the other, other has always refused to work any interpromotional angles. Televisa was able to step in and make it happen one time as a special Father's Day show. And what was really interesting to me about the show was that due to the backstage politics, this wasn't AAA versus CMLL. To make the show happen, they agreed that they would put all the Rudos together and all the Technicos together and Rudo versus Technico matches. And so that was kind of interesting, too. The match that really stood out to me was the best two out of three falls, eight-man tag team match. Brazo de Plata, Rio de Jalisco Jr., La Parca, and Octagon defeated Abismo Negro, Cybernetico, Piroth Jr., and Shocker. And this is a fun match. Back in the VHS tape trading days, I had a video mm. of this show, and I always loved this match. Like, where do you get to see this kind of lineup and mixture? And I also wanted to mention this match because people listening to the podcast, you might not, like, so especially newer fans might not know Shocker, but he was awesome. Like, and this is, he's kind of like an elder statesman of Lucha now, but he could really go mm-hmm. and was really exciting and impressive as a younger wrestler and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if you're like me and you still have your Mil Percente Guapo shirt, this is the Shocker <laughs> you know and love. So that's like best of both worlds. Yeah. What did you think, Brendan? Oh, I, so I loved it. I mostly was focusing on uh, the the like you said the 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 mix the the mix and match that they had. So I was like, oh, it was interesting to see that. I really liked that Televisa was, um, for lack of a better term, the adult in the room that forced the kids to get along so that we got yeah. this show. Um, we were joking about it, but I, I'm gonna say it. Um, this this really is the true forbidden door. Like, mm-hmm. ne'er shall the two meet. Really, like this is in all of wrestling. I, there is no uh, no greater promotional animosity I can think of than these two promotions. Like they to death. Uh, one side or the other is always angry at the other one. Triple A's formation was because they were upset with the way CMLL was handling things and then I mean so it's 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 been there I was um and but I was one of the things I've always talked about that makes lucha so different uh energy wise and visually wise to american sports was like you said this was a fathers day show in and first off uh, anybody who's heard us talk, speculating about what the ring would look like in a bullfighting arena, this match was in a bullfighting arena, and that visual alone was very cool. Mm-hmm. But they were scanning over the crowd, and you're seeing, like, bored-looking dads sitting next to their kids, <laughs> and, you know, it, it looked, you know, and, and, um, the, 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 uh, very over-the-top, uh, grandma who was really into this was, was also there. It, it looked like going to a Sunday afternoon baseball game. Yeah. Like, it did. Was, it had that feel. Which is, yeah. <laughs> 
and then uh, maybe that was it was Televisa's influence or something. But you had uh, you had more of a big sporting event feel by having uh, uh, having performers come out and sing to start the show, and having the the band play the the anthems. I mean, just all in all, it felt more like a traditional sporting event, and then these crazy masked men came out and did this very visual spectacle thing. Uh, and and uh, it was it's a nice little time capsule because you're getting some of the best wrestlers at, in some of the best periods of time. Like Dusty mentioned a few. You also had uh, Hector Garza and uh, uh, I, I had made a couple notes on other really interesting like young presentation. Uh, you had both Tirantes on the show, I believe. Yeah. I believe Tirantes and Tirantes yes. Juniors were, were on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm mean, oh. fun stuff. Go ahead, Miranda. No, no, no. I was going to say, I remember too, like the, the, um, especially in the beginning, the, um, you know, uh, welcome that Tirantes got was pretty, mm-hmm. Big, but even you know having both referees, a CMLL and a AAA referee there. I mean, you've mm-hmm. seen matches with two referees, but that was kind of the interesting thing about having a dual promotion event. Um, I think what fascinated me the most was the setup of having the Rudos versus Technicals, and how that being very interpromotional. So it wasn't necessarily CMLL versus AAA. And yeah. that's almost like, you know, thinking about it from a perspective of, you know, any bigger promotion. But, yeah, say if it was WWE and AEW, that's like having Bobby Lashley and Kenny Omega on the same team, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, in the, I mean, like, that's fascinating. And it completely, uh, you understand, like, why they would need to do that politically to say, well, it's not going to be uh, one promotion over the other because how are you ever going to book that? How are you ever going to right. book who wins and loses? But in the case of this show, it was, you know, good guys versus bad guys. And in this case, all of the technicals, the good guys won. And it was because it was also more of a feel-good event and it was more of a showcase because mm-hmm. you had singers and dancers mm-hmm. and it was, you know, more more of an event. So, I, I can see how it got put together, but, it, you know, on paper you see, oh, you know, AAA versus CMLL, or at least at some point that's how it may have been sold. But at the end of the day, it was a joint effort, which was still a big deal for these two companies to work together, to have their wrestlers work together um, in, you know, something very open like this. I, but you're also – go ahead. I just remember. Remembered uh, a thing when you were talking about it again the, about the booking on it. Uh, there was a, a documentary on AWA that I believe it's still up on Netflix where they talked about indie promoters trying to come together and create a super show. And the biggest thing, the biggest setback on that was all of the promoters came in there with the mentality of my guy has to win. And um, and so I just so historically. We're not just speculating. This was a thing that happened. Uh, you can go see the history of Supercard, uh, AWA Supercard, and know that that show did not do the numbers it could have with the talent that was on there because nobody could agree who was going to win a match. 
Sorry, I completely derailed no. you, Miranda, but I just No, no, no. <laughs> that that was just really my my thoughts of this was just more of of what Dusty started off with as far as the the structure of this was all the, the most fascinating part for oh, me. Oh yeah. Um because in some ways that too is really really rare to have, you know, an interpromotional show where you have wrestlers of different promotions team together. Um in some ways I I wonder on paper may be easier because you're not going over, you know, who wins, who loses as far as my guy wins or my guy, you know, I don't want to lose, but you know, it's, it's then, you know, even, I don't know if it was like spots in the match that, that were more contested or who was being paired with who, or I don't know. It's just very, just uh, the interesting thoughts of things that started to run through my head. But I mean, something that happened once and never again, I had heard and in, in my research that Televisa tried again uh, afterwards to convince AAA and CMLL to uh, do this again. And come on guys, just one more, just one more <laughs> from the research. It was that CMLL was the hesitant party. Again, I don't, I'm not here to speculate, you know, but that was just what the research led to was that CMLL. And it seems like based off what we've talked about before with CMLL being a bit more protective of their, of their talent, um, that if that is the case, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. It, it's not out of character. Put it that way. Uh, yeah, fun stuff. I, uh, I, I, there's, there's a number of really good matches in there. I, I just, I, I also, I, as the, I think that the format that they chose is more interesting to me as a fan too, because now I, I'm getting like to your Bobby Lashley, uh, you know, Drew McIntyre, whoever's he's partnered with kind of idea. Like I want to, I not only do I want to see those two guys that I've never seen working together together, but I also want to see them go in against uh, two other guys that I've never seen working together. That really intrigues me and creates a whole layer of of dynamics that I really want to see out of a show. Well, that is this week in Lucha Libre history. Don't forget to check out this day in Lucha Libre history at LuchaCentral.com. But yet there's so much more on LuchaCentral.com. Oh, so, well, Brandon, can you let our listeners know what else they can find on LuchaCentral.com? <laughs> All right. So if you you guys are listening to us and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com yet, it really is time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is your online home for Lucha Libre, where you can find all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. It's a place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards seen and read by top executives and all the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. But here it is. Here's the kicker. It's free. So, you know, best price. Always yeah, free. <laughs> free. <laughs> LuchaCentral.com is your place for all things Lucha Libre. Dusty, up next, you got some WWE news, um, specifically SmackDown, leading us into Hell in a Cell. Yeah, we first up on SmackDown, like in our 
relevant content, at least we had Rey Mysterio backstage. And he actually had a great promo about how Roman had targeted his family and hurt his son and that he wasn't going to stand for that. And at the end of the evening, he was going to step into the ring and call Roman out. And so later, Ray indeed steps into the ring. He calls Roman out. Roman showed up with Paul Heyman and Ray told him he wants Roman and he wants it at hell in a cell. And then he whipped a kendo stick out of nowhere and wailed on Roman a little. Roman was able to grab the kendo stick and turn the tables before Dominic showed up with the second kendo stick to interrupt a a spear attempt from Roman to Ray. And he subsequently took one of the gnarliest power bombs in recent history. It was an amazing visual. Roman just picked him up and yeeted him right over the ropes. Like it was, (laughs) it was awesome. And it was an yeah, awesome flashback. <laughs> and so then Roman's just casually strolling out. Ray runs down to check on Dominic, and Roman just turns around and punts Ray in the head. And that ended the episode. Then on ta- Talking Smack, Paul Heyman was on. He said at the end of the episode he would announce their decision, and they agreed to accept R- Ray's challenge for a Hell in the Cell match. Between Roman Reigns and Rey Mysterio. And this is actually Rey Mysterio's first appearance in a Hell in a Cell match, but this is Roman's fifth appearance, giving Roman the clear advantage in the match. So I don't think the Roman Reigns show will be over anytime soon. I'm not even sure that this feud has very long legs because allegedly the penciled in main event for SummerSlam is John Cena versus Roman Reigns. So we will see where this goes, but. At least Rey Mysterio in a main event and in his first Hell in a Cell match this Sunday, so you don't mm. want to miss that. Mm. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a great kind of feather in Roman Reigns' cap to go up against, you know, a legend that is Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. It is, and I and I understand this criticism or or just this critique because I feel the same way about it. As far as Hell in a Cell is usually reserved for, you know, pretty longer feuds or the end of a feud or a feud that mm-hmm. has escalated to the point where the only way to settle it is in hell in a cell. Absolutely. And because this one is a little bit more rushed uh, with, you know, this not, this story not being too long, um, you know, it's hard to kind of buy into why does it need to be in hell in a cell? Um, granted, I think the story behind it with the attack on Dominic is, is a good one. I mean, anytime anyone messes with his kid, like, very understandable, but right. I feel like if they would have just made this a little bit longer or more intense, then the build up to Hell in a Cell would have been a little bit more believable. Um, but, you know, I still think it's going to be a, a very interesting match, a great one, too, because, you know, as much as Ray has the size disadvantage, he definitely has the experience advantage. And Ray has faced much larger competitors throughout, you know, a good portion of his career. Yeah. Um, but He's I don't. A giant killer. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I also do not see Roman losing whatsoever. Nope. I, I don't either. Like SmackDown, for better or for worse, is just the Roman Reigns show right now. Like that's the direction they're heading in. And I don't see them derailing that for a Rey Mysterio win, especially if what their plan for SummerSlam is, is the showdown between Roman and John Cena. Like, that's a big money match, and that's 
you know, ar- arguably more important than Ray versus Roman. So, I mean, I, I get it. But, yeah, it feels weird to use a Hell in a Cell match for this. Feels yeah, like they just well, shoehorned one in. The, the, that's the problem with having all of your pay-per-views crammed in together is that you – and then having – Weeks of repetitive booking instead of forwarding story storylines is suddenly you're like, oh crap, we've got a paper review next week. We gotta get somebody on it. Uh, but to to the point, it's Rey Mysterio in the main event on a pay per view. So I mean, even though I know he's probably going to die, uh, you know, <laughs> and be thrown off of, I'm still I'm still gonna watch it. Yeah, I'm excited for this match. And and it's Rey Mysterio's first Hell in a Cell match, and that's pretty interesting this far into his career, and as long as he's been around the WWE thing. And so, yeah, I mean, like, there, there's a lot of positives to look forward to in this as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the results for both Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown are available on LuchaCentral.com. Uh, as well as Hell in a Cell, I am sure the results will be uh, up after the pay-per-view this Sunday, uh, and you know we're going to talk about it on next week's show. So make sure you stay tuned. We're definitely going to be giving our feedback on that uh, match at Hell in a Cell. Uh, but a detour, maybe not a detour, because it makes it feel like that's not the right road. But this is the right road because it is on the rundown <laughs> that we use. Uh, NWA. And this may sound like a detour because we don't normally talk about the NWA, but they have continued to grow their Lucha presence. And that has continued on this week's show. Um, this week on NWA Power, Aaron Stevens was facing PJ Hawks. And their match ended in a no contest when La Rebellion, which is BCS666 and Mecha Wolf interfered. They just came out and beat up everybody. Um, they even beat up Luke Hawks, which is PJ's dad. And they have no sympathy for the son. So in one case with WWE, Roman Reigns is beating up someone's son, uh, <laughs> Dominic Mysterio. Um, in NWA, BCS Mega Wolf beat up uh, PJ Hawk, who is Luke Hawk's son. Um, and then they had a, a quick promo, um, which was somewhat bilingual, mainly in English, but they did speak in Spanish, which again for NWA mm-hmm. shocks me, shocks me. Um, yeah. but Beastia Mega will pretty much confirm that they are on a hunt for the tag titles. Um, they're a hunt for gold. They are a hunt to establish themselves in the NWA. And so they're going to take out anyone who who stands in their way. And I thought this was a a great way of showing some of that dominance and that strength and their presence as more of a wild card factor within not only the tag division, but the entire NWA. We I have to I want to throw some Twitter shade at them Uh, while we were talking while we've been recording the show. They tweeted about this. And they referred to Mecha Wolf and, and, uh, Bestia as, uh, coming from AAA wrestling. <laughs> Dusty's Her reaction. Lover belly on. <laughs> Dusty's reaction explains <laughs> that perfectly. Um, yeah, they, the whole point of Love Rebellion is they, they were a breakaway group from AAA. So mm-hmm. that, uh, just, uh, NWA, it, it, if you're listening to the show, cause we know all the big people listen. Yeah, uh, we will help you get your copyright next time. If mm-hmm. 
that. Sorry, carry on. It doesn't surprise me when you have, I mean, a team, you have Joe Galley as your primary commentator, a fantastic job. Uh, well, and it was, I think, I don't know if it was mentioned on commentary, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, but, because uh, it was just a short clip that I saw. Uh, but anyways, it wouldn't surprise me that maybe there was some miscommunication um, <laughs> on on that. So it, it happens, though. It happens to the best of us. So. It's fine. It happens to everybody. I, I'm just, you know, we, we want to make sure everybody keeps their facts straight as much as uh, we always tell you the listeners to correct us or tell us what we got wrong. We're doing the same thing. So we are we are practicing what we want you to do. So when yeah. – I screw up on Indie Roundup. Please let me know about it too. I'm this isn't just us being jerks. Yeah. Although it's more it's more fun on this side of it. <laughs> we also uh had a triple threat match. It's a three-way qualifier to determine the new NWA or it's a qualifier match that will determine the new NWA national champion. So um, there will be a series of matches to determine who's going to qualify for the ultimate match. We had uh, Fred Rosser uh, versus JTG versus El Rudo, known by many people as Sam Adonis. Um, and so uh, Sam was kind of the odd man out at first, approaching JTG. G approaching Fred Rosser, uh, neither one of them wanted anything to do with uh, El Rudo and ended up attacking them together. Um, but El Rudo uh, had a great double neck breaker um, after he was walking the, the ropes. Um, and then he also had, um, well, he, he took advantage uh, of a near fall, taking Rosser out of the ring. Um, he then slapped JTG, who then uh, put him in a crucifix uh, into a neck breaker for the pin. Um, so it is very much a surprise, not so much a surprise, but we are seeing Sam Adonis, who was on uh, When Our Shadows Fall earlier um, in the month, um, making regular appearances for the NWA. So between uh, Bestia, Make a Wolf, El Rudo, and of course the constant presence of Thunder Rosa, NWA is really stepping up their Lucha Libre presence. I did also read there are some spoilers out there for uh, the NWA because they do tape these shows in advance. Uh, so if you do not want to be spoiled, I'm going to give you just a few seconds. And I won't spoil it too much. Uh, I, I won't go into details, but there is a reports as far as a match that has already been recorded as a Lucha Rules match. Yeah. Uh, reveal who's in that match at this point uh some of it because i forgot but uh <laughs> transparency uh but that's something that will be coming down the pipeline fairly soon if it was just recently recorded so the fact that the nwa is looking to have a lucha style match or a lucha rules match on power is a very big step one that i did not expect to see the nwa move into so uh I'm going to I'm going to help us pay our bills a little bit here and and point out that Sam Adonis is a bona fide luchador who even has a segment in the Eat Love Luchador book. See yeah, what I did there? That's true. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So go buy your copy of Eat Like a Luchador and then and then watch Sam Adonis. 
Adonis in the NWA, or or if you don't want to watch Sam Adonis in the NWA, he's all over the Indies. There'll be other places to catch him. That is true. He is all over the independent scene throughout the U.S. Um, we did see him in AAA uh, just recently. We will likely see him again in AAA at some point, and of course, seems to be maybe a regular staple now in the NWA. So we will we will see, but. Again, uh, maybe an unexpected source of Lucha Libre content, the NWA. Make sure you check it out. They do have some clips available on their YouTube channel, but right now they are currently um, through Fight TV. You do have to purchase uh, that. Uh, you can purchase, I believe, a group of shows. Um, I think it's like a four-pack um, for yeah. for power. Yeah, but again, if you are looking for some maybe new, innovative uh, Lucha Libre content or a promotion you weren't very familiar with or didn't think had Lucha Libre content, NWA may be your cup of tea. But with that, up next, we have Impact Wrestling. And this past Saturday, we had Against All Odds. And a few matches that Lucha Libre fans may have been interested in or want to know about. Uh, one of them uh, being the uh, five-way match to determine the number one contender for the Impact X Division Championship. Not necessarily luchadors in here, but I always relate the the X division to much more of a high flying, quick style uh, division, very much in alignment with lucha libre. And this match itself too uh, proved that. You had Petey Williams versus Ace Austin versus Trey Miguel versus Chris Bay versus Rohit Raju. And uh, this one, I like how in the beginning of the match, they hit uh, Ace Austin and Trey Miguel. They found themselves brawling outside the ring, and they've had very much of a long history of story between the two in and out for years now. So that's great that they can use this match to kind of address that. Um, but Petey Williams was looking great. Uh, in this match looking pretty much like better than ever. He did put a – it was kind of fitting because Chris Bay has been in – I think looking more and more like Shawn Michaels and his gear. Oh and yeah. So yeah. very much Shawn Michaels inspired gear. And, uh, you know, he was put in a sharpshooter by P- PD Williams. Um, so I mean, I don't know if that's just one of those little things that as wrestling fans, you know, some stories always come full circle, even when it has nothing to do with the people who were originally in the story. Um, but it was also interesting because uh, in that you had Ace, yeah, Trey Miguel who locked Ace Austin in a lay lock, Petey Williams who had, uh, Bay in the sharpshooter, um, and then Rohit Raju, you know, the only thing he could do, and this was simultaneous. So at this point you could have had two tap outs, Rohit Raju had to break it up, really in order for him to save his chance at, uh, winning the match. Um, but towards the end, Madman Fulton came out and just destroyed and laid out everyone, which was this, Almost like, you know, in the Power Rangers, when all the Power Zoids came together, yep. it was kind of like that because he hit them with like two choke slams and a power bomb simultaneously. So it was like a Power Zoid of power bombs and choke slams. Is my best way. No, that's a good explanation. It. Yeah. That was my genius just coming out. But, you know, in a shocking, maybe not so shocking turn of events, too, the referee deemed it a no contest. 
So nobody won uh, because Mad Men uh-huh. came out and laid out everyone. Now, in theory, it makes sense because, yeah, when someone interferes and takes out everyone, there's there's nothing that you can do. Maybe if there was more of a sneaky attack or interference, mm-hmm. that could have been excused. But literally, he took out everybody all at once. So uh, I don't know then what this is going to allude to. The one thing is that these matches are great, but that's very constant in the X division. Multi-man championship matches, multi-man number one contenders matches. And, you know, after a while, you got to break it up. The Iron Man match between TJP and uh, Josh Alexander was fantastic. But one of the one of the more rare occasions as of late of a one-on-one match. So I don't know who, how they're going to determine this. It could be a scramble. It could be a five-way. It could, you know, I mean, literally any type of style of match that they've done to do this, uh, they've done. Uh, but, you know, who knows if, you know, they're going to throw in something interesting. Um, you know, I know this is not for a championship match, uh, but maybe a contendership. But, you know, I would love to see an Ultimate X match come back as, you know, maybe a briefcase or something hanging from the X um, as more of a definitive way. Because at this point, you're trying to find a definitive way to determine a new number one contender. Um, but again, if you, if you just are a fan of, of fast paced, quick, flippy matches, this is a great one to watch. We also had a Decay challenging for the Impact World Tag Team Champions versus Violent by Design, specifically Diener and Rhino. A crazy Steve started the match and he got in a hot tag uh, to Torres, who was in the ring with Rhino. And that itself was a, a really interesting match. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, so technically the, the hot tag happened with Diener first, but I got ahead of myself and jumped into Rhino because that to me was the money to see yeah. Torres and Rhino in the ring together. Um, but Black Torres, too, I mean, had a beautiful standing drop kick from the top rope. Uh, incoming in. I mean, Black Taurus is one where his versatility still is amazing. He could still be so agile, but he's a big brute of a guy. Um, so I, I've just really enjoyed him in this match. The match itself was pretty quick, um, but Violent by Design got the win and retained, um, the Impact Tag Team Championships. Um, you know, it is what it is. I feel like, this may not be the last time you see him. It may be because the tag division within Impact 2 is kind of all over the place. Um, you know, Finn Juice is out. The Good Brothers seem to be out. Maybe this is a longer story with Decay. Who knows? But it also seems like Violent by Design is, you know, they're, they're going to hold on to those uh, tag titles for quite some time. But again, the fact that Black Taurus is in some really great matches, maybe not in-depth storyline, but that's not what, impact is known for at this time so you know but you get some great matches absolutely then we had the main event for the impact world championship moose versus kenny omega it was announced earlier in the week that this match would be happening at daily's place so that's aew territory um and a very interesting commentary lineup you had don Callis, um uh tony shivani and oh my gosh why is Scott Demore um, on commentary? Um, so, you know, the interesting thing with this match, and I'm glad they addressed it, overall was a solid match. 
I'm not a fan of the ending, which I'll get to in a minute, but the something that wasn't quite addressed in the build-up to this, but you saw in the match, was, of course, Kenny's one-winged angel. That's his go-to. But with Moose having the clear size advantage, it was going to be nearly impossible for him to put that in. And that's also kind of a rarity with Kenny Omega is the fact that he doesn't typically face people as uh, competitors as big as, as Moose. Um, and so that was something he tried to uh, land the one winged angel um, kind of earlier in the match and just struggled because you can't do that to Moose. You just do not have the strength to do that. Um but they did brawl on the outside. There was a point where Moose was kind of taunting Kenny Omega um, with kind of that, that gun uh, point. And he ended up spending too much time on that because he missed his target and was launched into the barricade. And they fought outside. During that time, Kenny was able to kind of take advantage of the uh, the uh, barricades and kind of the, the stair barricades, kind of looping moose's arm through that to kind of weaken him um but we had a beautiful once they got back into the ring a beautiful spanish fly by moose spanish flies are just my favorite so word up to anyone who does them as well as (laughs) as moose does um but there was a point where roof was uh moose was going in for his uh spear um and kenny omega pulled the ref in knocking him out and then when you know it with the ref down the young bucks come out and they just do their little super kick party things, knocking out Moose. Uh, then Kenny was able to put in the BTE trigger, uh, or they were do, able to do the BTE trigger that then helped, and then helped Kenny Omega put Moose into the one-winged angel for the pin. So Kenny Omega is still your Impact World Champion. Uh, he defeated Moose. But then afterwards, we did have Sammy Callahan come out and surprise Kenny Omega. He is the next challenger for Kenny Omega at Slammiversary. Um, and for some reason, like, Sammy Callahan just looked like he was supposed to be at AEW. The look, his attitude very much aligns with AEW. So um, the bad thing about this or kind of the bummer is that this wasn't in front of an audience. It was just in front of wrestlers, which, again, we kind of knew that was going to happen. Um, but, you know, this was the, the one time we did see an AEW match um, or an, an impact match in AEW territory. So, but I don't think that's going to be this. This may be it. It's, they're not going to do it like New Japan has been doing it. They're not going to be, you know, showering them with, with praise. It kind of feels like impact is still kind of that dirty secret that they acknowledge every so often. Yeah, uh, only when they have to. Only when they have to. Only when they have to. Um, but so we are recording this uh, show on a Wednesday this week, not on Thursday, because usually we would have your uh, results for impact this week on television. So you're going to have to wait till next week to know what happened this week on impact television and also next what happens next week. So we'll address the past and the future in the future. Yeah, that sounds about <laughs> right. That sounds about right. 
And finally, our last story for this week is MLW. And as I mentioned, we are recording this a day early, so we do not have information for you regarding the draft. Um, that gets announced every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So make sure you check out MLW's YouTube page. They are continuously promoting uh, the July 10th show um, in Philadelphia. Caesar Duran this week, they, they did have some graphics up uh, reminding fans that he was going to be there in attendance. So the Azteca Underground story is going to continue to be uh, pretty relevant. And over the past few weeks, we have consistently had at least one Lucha signing, one Lucha adjacent signing as part of the draft, whether it's a re-sign or a new signee. So we'll definitely bring that news to you next week. Um, and we just anticipate that, you know, they are growing that Lucha talent, whether that's specifically be for Azteca Underground or for MLW or for both. That, too, is something that um, you know, remains to be seen. But very, very fascinating aspect about uh, MLW and the draft. And again, you know, this is coming up in less than a month away. So the July 10th show and everything surrounding it is continues to fascinate me, continues to be something I'm looking forward to. And I know they're going to continue to have news pop up over the next few weeks. But we also want to talk to you about MLW Underground because this is a pretty Lucha-centric, Lucha-adjacent episode. And I'm going to bring Brendan in because he's a little bit more knowledgeable on that. Um, but we have three matches this week on MLW plus a, a vignette as well. Um, but you had the Stampede Bulldogs versus uh, Puma and Bobby uh, Quantz. Yeah, they were, yeah, Quants is yeah, how they were Quants, saying yes, it, yeah. yeah. Um, Homicide versus Low Key, and in a junior heavyweight championship match, Sanjay Dutt versus Jack Evans. That's a summary, but Brendan, go into a little bit of detail about these, because there's definitely more connections just beyond uh, <laughs> the matches I listed. Well, I mean, yeah, the matches you listed are enough, but uh, so... Puma and Bobby Quants were being billed as being a Lucha Libre team. Uh, they are listed. I looked them up on Lucha Wiki. Uh, Bobby Quants is uh, a West Coast wrestler who primarily wrestled in Mexico for a good period of time before this and was in XPW. So uh, that is a promotion that a lot of Lucha Libre fans will be familiar with. Um there are a number of Pumas. I could not find one that had that exact match. He looked like a West Coast wrestler to me as well. He's not one that I recognized, but they were billing him as coming to them out of CMLL. So that tag team match was very West Coast Lucha. Uh, I believe Miranda would call that California Lucha Libre style, where you had lots of high-flying, smaller guys going at it. Uh, very fun match. Then the the next, the Jack Evans match, Jack Evans was being represented by Teddy Hart, who uh, we all know really did big things in Mexico and uh, was, despite being a Hart, is is uh, a more of a luchador than than a Canadian Hart. Yeah. But uh, everybody, every, mileage will vary on this. But uh, and then Jack Evans, of course. He hadn't gone down and made his big name in AAA yet. He was very young in this, but uh, we all know him today from being uh, – we just talked about him in a, last week in 
uh, our segment on this week in Lucha Libre history, and we talk about either him or Angelico almost every week on AEW. Now he's kind of a staple. Yeah. Um, uh, it, this match was designed more to feature Sanjay Dutt, but again, if you want to see kind of the young before he hurt himself a lot, Jack Evans this is a, a fun one to watch. And, uh, you have, uh, Homicide in the main, the main event. Now, Homicide is more Lucha adjacent than Lucha, but he's, I mean, he, he's been tag team partners with multiple people that were featured on Lucha Underground. He's, uh, he's worked in Mexico. He's, I mean, uh, all over the place on that. And, uh, and generally, uh, my feelings won't be hurt if you just stop watching after the Jack Evans match. Uh, I had a just enough time to squeeze this in before we got on the show because I knew just when to fast forward. All the commercials for that card game that came out in the 90s were, were gone. I scrubbed through those real quick. But um, Yeah, this is a fantastic loaded Lucha, Lucha match, which is kind of also a nice segment of history that as we keep talking about that it's neat to see underground doing so i highly recommend checking this episode out yeah that is available on mlw's youtube page and we're going to continue to get episodes of underground um as they as we build up to new episodes of fusion and underground has those hidden gems um we have old school uh you know vampiro uh of course sanjay dutt la park um and and much much more um on mlw underground so uh if you want to do a blast from the past Check it out. Many more episodes are available on MLW's YouTube page. Um, but again, this week is a little bit more Lucha-centric if you're looking for that. And with that, we've reached the end of this week's episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for listening this week. Don't forget to check out LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You can follow Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. You got to check out the YouTube page. There are a ton of content, including interviews, matches, and much, much more available for you to view all for free. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media? Dusty, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Yeah, I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy, and I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers 321, and then T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram, and as you heard it already, I'm on Twitter. And again, if you are a Lucha Libre promotion, uh, wrestling fan, or luchador, and you want to be featured on a future edition of the Indie Roundup, make sure you reach out to Brendan and send your information in, send your mm-hmm. video, send your content, because we are always looking for independent promotions to promote on the show. Absolutely. And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the hashtag Miranda. 
hashtag spelled out the hashtag Miranda. Go ahead and give us a follow. Let us know your thoughts on the show. Give us just anything you'd like to share with us. Go ahead and reach out to us on social media. You may be listening to the show on your favorite podcast streaming platform like Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and more. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and let us know how we're doing. Subscribe so you get notifications every time a new episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast drops. You can give us a five-star rating, and you can give us a review. Let us know your thoughts. We're happy to incorporate you know, your thoughts on different ideas, on topics, on things that you agree with, disagree with, recommendations for segments, all of that you can let us know. For Dusty Murphy and Brendan Barr, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will be back with you next week. <laughs>